Welcome to Wiffle's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wiffle. The Green Bay Packers are hoping history won't repeat itself. The Packers begin their regular season Sunday against the Vikings in Minneapolis. Last season, the Packers opened against the New Orleans Saints and got crushed 38-3. Welcome. I'm Gary Wolfel, and I'm delighted to be joined today by two of the outstanding NFL writers, Rob Reichel of Forbes.com and Chris Thomason, the award-winning writer who covers the Vikings for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Welcome. Great to be here. Now, are you lying or, I mean, you just got out of bed, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) This is early for me. Actually, I stayed up late and watched that crazy tennis match that ended at 2.24 a.m. Eastern time. Was was Two this a shy of the all-time latest ending match at the U.S. Open? Well, you know what? As soon as uh, Serena took an exit, so did I. What happened? Uh, the young Spaniard. He he won, so uh, he moved on to the uh, quarterfinals. Ah, okay. Well, let's segue from tennis to uh, football, and uh, as you well know, the Packers both Packers open up Sunday in your hometown. There, Chris. And uh, the last time the Packers opened up a regular season, it was in New Orleans last year. And uh, suffice to say, it was a debacle. Rob, do you see things being differently this time around? Well, I do. Um, I'll kind of spoil where we're probably headed at some point on the road. I, I, I do see Minnesota winning the game. I think Green Bay's got, you know, a lot of questions to answer, Gary, and we don't have the answers yet. The summer didn't provide them because they didn't allow their frontliners to play in these preseason games. As you and I have talked about in the past, Gary, I'm not opposed to that philosophy whatsoever. It's a, you know, in green Bay situation, they're looking, they're looking at this as a 20 and 21 game type of a season. And the preseason at the end of it doesn't necessarily matter. These, these early games to them are, are probably less relevant than, than what's going to happen in January and in their hopes, February, Gary. But, but, but I'm telling you that, that they've got a lot of questions to answer. They've got injury issues right now. When you look up and down that roster, we, you know, we're going to find out more as the week unfolds with some of these guys, the Alan Lazards, the, the, the David Bakhtiari's, the Elton Jenkins, the Robert Tunyon's, you know, even if a, if a rookie like Christian Watson's going to play and, and that's just the offensive side, they're pretty healthy on defense, Gary, but you know, the, the fact that they didn't, play a lot together in the preseason when it came to game action. I think it leaves them vulnerable heading into week one. And, and I think a fired up Minnesota team is going to take advantage. Obviously, at least on the surface, Fleur hasn't really done a lot, a lot of things differently in preseason uh, that he did last year. Did he? I mean, you know, he kept Rogers out. He kept all his starters out basically for the last uh, preseason game. Did you see anything conspicuously different than a year ago? No, other than the fact he played his offensive line a little bit more in these games, Gary, and a lot of that was dictated on the fact they have so many questions at both the tackle spots, whether Bakhtiari will be ready to go come Sunday for the first time really in 20 months, let's call it. I know he played 25 snaps in 
week 18 last year against the Lions, but obviously then he couldn't suit up two weeks later for the playoff game. And, and then Jenkins, certainly a right tackle as well. Whether or not he'll be ready is a question. So he ran that starting group on the offensive line longer into games and he kept them together more. And, and, and that was kind of twofold, Gary. It was for them to get some continuity together, you know, le- leading into week one. And, and then second, I mean, they had to keep Jordan Love somewhat clean to get a, a clearer read and indication of where he was you know, heading, heading into this season. So, but no, I mean, for the most part, you, you, you didn't see the majority of the skill guys get much work. Obviously Rogers didn't take a single snap. The overwhelming majority of guys on defense didn't play. I mean, he played Quay Walker quite a bit, the rookie inside linebacker, the first uh, of their two first round picks from Georgia. But uh, no, for the most part, Gary, his frontliners, let's call it, you know, 15 of his top 20 or 22 players uh, didn't take a snap in, in preseason. And, and it bit him in the tail last year going uh, down to Jacksonville for that new Orleans game. And, 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 and I, and I don't think they're going to be as clean and crisp and, and, and ready to go here in week one as, as they would have had they play those guys. Um, now, obviously it's a risk reward deal. Had they played them, they could have certainly lost some guys along the way, like they did back in 15 with Jordy Nelson. And that, and that's the fear right now of this coaching staff. Um, but, and, and they're willing to play that, risk reward game and, and, and see if they can come out of it better on the backside. But I do think it's going to take them a month maybe to get the kind of chemistry they need Gary to start rolling. Yeah. As we saw last year, uh, even though they got annihilated by the saints, uh, you know, and all hell broke loose after that game and Rogers came along, of course, you know, being Rogers. And he said, you know, relax, it's long season, blah, blah, blah. And he was right. You know, the Packers, I think have a veteran team, to blow off a loss, okay? So if they lose to the Vikings, it's not life or death. Chris, what if the uh, fortunes were reversed and the Vikings got blown out, especially with a new head coach, a lot of new faces? What kind of impact would that have? Well, first, let me piggyback on what Rob said. He talked about the Packers not playing anybody in the preseason. The Vikings didn't play anybody in the preseason. So it's pretty much a wash so uh-huh. i'm wondering the you know kirk cousins didn't play at all none of the top offensive players justin jefferson dalvin cook adam thielen none of them played the they did use their starting offensive and defensive lines for two series in the first preseason game that was it so i'm wondering if from afar the vikings saw the packers using some of their starters maybe they would have changed course but i think knowing that the packers weren't playing anybody that probably made the vikings feel more comfortable about not playing anybody but the bottom line is we don't know what to expect on sunday because kevin o'connell has been keeping all sorts of things under wraps there's gonna be all kinds of tricks on offense guys lining up probably in different places so uh it's going to be really interesting, and it's the great unknown, probably more so for Minnesota with the new coach than from Green Bay on Sunday. You know, the Packers obviously are going to be tested in a, in a number of areas, but their defense it has been really, really touted uh, so far, and, and rightfully so. They got like six first-round picks, you know, starting for them, and they get a bunch of veterans around them. And then on the flip side, the Vikings have, I think, one of the best offenses in football. Chris, do you think that offense is going to be revamped? 
or is it going to be pretty much the Viking offense that we saw in the past? Well, first of all, I did read on the internet that stat about six first round picks uh, on defense. I <laughs> you mean, read everything, don't you? I mean, that's an incredible stat. I'm not sure who dug that up, but I believe I read that it's tied for the most ever. So that was uh, very interesting. And it shows the continuity that Green Bay has on defense. And in a game like this with the great, with the unknowns that I stated and offenses sometimes take longer to get going than defenses, that certainly could prove to be Green Bay's advantage having the more experienced defense versus the Vikings who have pretty much rebuilt their defense. Their defense was a disaster the last two years, which cost Mike Zimmer his job. I mean, part of that was due to injuries and they're blending in now. Daniil Hunter, he's back from injuries. Adarius Smith coming over from Green Bay, but he only played in two games last year. You know, they've got a new key linebacker in Jordan Hicks and they've got a completely new scheme. They're playing the three, four. So I think Green Bay's maybe more experience and more continuity on defense will be a big help on Sunday. Yeah, I noticed a report today that uh, Irv Smith, the, the really good tight end, could play Sunday. What kind of impact would he have on this game? I, I think he, you add him to Cook and and your wide receiving core. That that's a potent offense. Uh, Rob, do you, do you see Smith being you know? integral part to that offense or how do you look at that? Well, Chris could certainly answer that, you know, better being around the team every single day. I mean, I, I will say this, you're spot on. I mean, the number of weapons that Minnesota has rivals, you know, the overwhelming majority of teams in this league, right? When you look at that wide receiver combination, you know, of Jefferson and Thielen, if they get the tight end back, Cook's a top five back. I know he's, he, he wasn't at his best, you know, last year and, admittedly so he said he had a little bit of a down year but boy statistically he still ranks high in the overwhelming majority of things they've they've got um, you know a couple up and comers on that offensive line so no I mean it, it'll be a challenge certainly Gary and a, and a huge one right out of the shoot for for this this much ballyhooed and an acclaimed defense that you know you're talking about that that that's just six number one picks among the starters and then Devontae Wyatt who's a second stringer right now is another first round pick and then you look at Preston Smith. He he was a second round guy. There's another one somewhere on that defense. I I I, I forget where I I looked it up the other day. Oh, Jaron Reed. You know who's going to start at, at the other defensive end spot, Gary. Yeah. So really, when you look at that defense right now, it's it's six ones starting and two twos, and you know, and and then Amos, who's you know certainly their best safety, was once a five, and Devondre Campbell, who had a monster year last year, was was once a four and Dean Lowry who's coming off a career high year in sacks. He was once a five. I mean, it's a, it's a loaded stack defense and they've got, uh, you know, goals that they always will tell you they want to be X, Y, and Z, right. Top five in this and yeah. top in that. And, you know, a lot of the years, Gary, since the Super Bowl team in 2010, that's, that's just been absolutely unrealistic for, for some of the defenses green Bay has put on the field, but th- this should be their best defense when we get to January that that they have fielded since that Super Bowl team in in 2010 there are there are standouts and pro bowlers and all pro guys and playmakers up and down that defense at all three levels and uh, it'll be a challenge every single week for for offensive coordinators trying to find a way 
uh, to score points and, and, and find matchups that they like, because th- there aren't a lot of soft spots on that defense and guys you can go pick on. Chris, any thoughts? First of all, you know, one of my favorite words is ballyhooed. How many times have you used ballyhooed in any of your stories? Well, you need to put much in front of it. You need to put, call it much ballyhooed. No much ballyhooed. <laughs> right. There you go. Uh, again, brilliant analysis by Rob there. And, uh, you know, an interesting element of this game as well is uh, LaFleur and O'Connell both coming from the same coaching tree. I mean, the Sean McVay coaching tree and uh, a guy like LaFleur helps a guy like O'Connell get the job because every time one of the McVay disciples does well as LaFleur has, as Taylor did leading the Bengals to the Super Bowl, it's like, okay, we got to grab one of these guys. So that certainly played a role in the Vikings landing Kevin O'Connell. So that's an interesting subplot to be, I'm thinking it's the, it's one of the words when the schedule came out, I'm sure O'Connell wasn't happy. I mean, <laughs> this is, I mean, I'm not going to call it a must win. I mean, I think when you briefed me on the uh, podcast, you said, who is this game more important for? It's exactly. obviously more important for the Vikings because if they have designs on winning the NFC North, I mean, I think they pretty much have to, beat Green Bay at home and they'll start out behind the eight ball if they lose to the Packers at home and then the Vikings the next week are at Philly on Monday night and then they're risking staring at 0-2 and then everyone's grumbling about this new coach and what have you so uh, yeah it's uh, definitely a huge game for the Vikings on Sunday. Has uh, O'Connell brought up much about the Packers? Has he talked about the rivalry, or has he let that uh, lie for now? He t- he touched upon it yesterday and that sort of thing, but uh, he hasn't really delved greatly into it. I mean, he'll be back talking to the media this Wednesday and Friday, and I'm sure he'll uh, speak maybe some more about the rivalry and. Uh, I imagine he'll uh, have reverence with it. I mean, Mike Zimmer, I asked about the rivalry in the first season he coached, and he was kind of like, ah, ah, it's just another game and and that sort of thing. He eventually did change his tune, but O'Connell has made a big deal of he's developed a friendship with Bud Grant. He's reached out to a lot of Vikings legendary players, wanting them to be engaged with the team. He's made a big deal out of the team history. So there's no doubt he'll have reverence for the rivalry. Yeah. Well, what's your early take on O'Connell? Anything that has stood out about him uh, personalities from a personality standpoint or from a coaching standpoint? I think he's brought a new energy to the building, a new excitement, a new enthusiasm, positive energy after the negativity they had with Mike Zimmer. But anytime there's a coaching change, you're going to hear the, oh, we have to do it this different way. Because when Zimmer came in in 2014, he replaced Leslie Frazier, one of the all-time nicest guys ever. And back then it was like, oh, well, we need the discipline. This team is lacking in discipline. <laughs> yeah. So now it's the opposite. You know, well, we need a pat on the back every now and then. You know, that stuff is all great, but it's going to come down, of course, as it always does, to the one loss record. And while O'Connell looks like a 
great selection, very knowledgeable, what have you. He still has never been a head coach at any level and never has even called plays at the NFL level. So uh, this there's a lot of newness for him. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, you know, we were talking about the uh, importance it is for the Packers defense to uh, come up big Sunday. But I think all eyes, at least from Packer Nation, are, are going to be focused on the special teams. I, I don't know if you know this, Chris, or not, but the Packer special teams have been absolutely abysmal. What now, Rob, for a decade or more? <laughs> yeah, Gary, it dates back to 05. So we're, we're at 17 years of you know, misery for Packer nation, watching, watching them allow big returns and, you know, screw up punts and field goals. You know, gasoline out of Dallas always puts out a report uh, or ranking on special teams and the Packers are right near the bottom every year. Chris, where have the Vikings been? Do you know off the top of your head or, I mean, on the surface, they look like a pretty good group. I mean, or have been a pretty good group. Their special teams the last couple of years have been, up and down. They showed uh, improvement last year. Two years ago, it was a disaster. But uh, now it's looking pretty good. Uh, Greg Joseph, the kicker, has had just an incredible preseason. He kicked a 58-yard field goal at Denver in the final preseason game. Which, he, is uh, he the he, uh, new punt guy? No, <laughs> or he's kick guy? Kicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the punter didn't kick the 58-yard field goal. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the uh, which would have been a Vikings regular season record if, if it, which is 56. Of course, it was in the high altitude, but he's been booming 58, 60 yarders in practice with regularity. So he's been incredible. They've got a new punter in Ryan Wright who had a great uh, preseason, but it's his first NFL regular season game. So we'll see how he responds with the bright lights. Kane Nwongu. It had two touchdown returns as a kickoff returner last year. And they hey, just that's, brought... that's the guy, Chris, that I think the Packers got to be aware of. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a dangerous guy. Well, I mean, if they're smart, they'll just kick it out of the end zone every time. But, We're talking uh, about the Packers special teams here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I got it. Uh, and uh, they just brought in Jalen uh, Rager to be their punt returner. So he's going to be brand new to the team. But, um, Overall, their special teams in, has been vastly improved from a couple of years ago. Rob, what do you think the uh, think of the Packers special teams? You know, going forward, they they have a new coach, they have a bunch of new players. Do you think this special teams group is going to be better than the ones we've seen in the past? Well, it's hard to imagine, Gary. They can be worse. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> it's, I mean, it it, it would you you would almost have to right drop some kind of comedy show to, to make it worse than what it's been in, in, in recent seasons. Here's, here's what they did, Gary, that that's a huge positive. They, they finally opened up the wallet and the checkbook, you know, with their $600 million of cash reserves and, you know, selling, selling people worthless pieces of stock that they pay $300 for. And they they actually spent some of that money to hire a special teams coach and, and paid them a exorbitant amount of money. You know, Rich Bisacci is now the highest paid special teams coach in the NFL I, I know our listeners know this, Gary, you know, be obviously Basaccia served as, you know, the Raiders head coach, the, you know, last 10 games or whatever it was last season after, after Gruden was removed. And a lot of people wanted him to get that job when, when he didn't, he wound up in green Bay, Gary, they, they weren't dramatically better 
in in the preseason. In fact, they were they they were still pretty bad and they were miserable in that third preseason game against Kansas City. Now, a lot of the guys who were on teams that night are, are no longer on the 53. They won't be on the field Sunday. I, I have a hunch he's going to use two, three starters on, you know, various units just just to make sure, uh, you know, things go according to plan and, and, and how he wants them to. You know, as, as Chris pointed out, it, it, it is going to be a, a really big challenge. Minnesota's really good in the return game, and, and I agree. I, I'd kick the ball out of the end zone every single time, too. The question is, we haven't seen Mason Crosby this summer. I expect he'll be the, the kicker here in, re, in, in week one. But, uh, you know, he, he was dealing with, with a leg injury, and, and, and just yesterday they went and, and signed a, a second kicker just in case, and he's on the practice squad. They could, could certainly elevate him uh, come Sunday. But, you know, th- there will be some questions going in with, with Crosby's leg strength. Can he kick it out of the end zone or not and, and not let guys like, like Rager? And, you know, I, I'm not sure how to say the kick returner's name. Nawangu, I think, is, is how it goes. But, I mean, like Chris pointed out, I mean, that, that guy was tremendous last year. I think he averaged 32, 33 yards of return. And Green Bay was miserable in, in the return game. They were, well, I mean, Gary flat out, they, they were bad in all facets and all areas. It, it's interesting. The guys inside that building, the Aaron Rodgers of the world, his teammates, they all say the same thing. They say, if, if we can get a draw on special teams, if they can just, you know, hold up and, and not lose the game in that facet and, and break even, you know, they feel they'll win 12, 13, 14 games again. It's uh, it, it's the special teams that you know, have, bit, have bit him in the butt. It bit him in the butt last year in that, in that 49er playoff game. I mean, Rodgers was really bad that night himself and the offense wasn't any good, but they would have been moving on to the, to the next round. If, if they could have blocked a, you know, if, if they could have blocked San Francisco and got off a punt late in that game and, and clearly they couldn't. And anybody that watched Green Bay last year, Gary could, could kind of see the writing on the wall at some time, at some point in time, the special teams was, was going to catch up with them and get them. And it, and it did in that divisional game, you think back to 2014 and, and the disasters they had on special teams that night uh, in Seattle in the NFC championship game. This is, this has been almost a two decade problem. Uh, they, they finally invested the resources to get it fixed. And, and, you know, now, now we'll, now we'll see if they can get it done. They kept a few guys on the roster, Gary, specifically for special teams and, and starting Sunday, it's going to be their time to shine. Have they determined who's going to return kicks uh, and punts? They have not. I'm very curious to see what I, you know, again, I, I expect Christian Watson to play in this game. Uh, Now the question, no, Amari Rogers is probably the leader in the clubhouse, maybe in both Gary. I I just don't think he has the explosion of a couple of these rookies like dubs and Watson. So you could see one of those guys in, in certainly one of those roles. The other question though, Gary, that comes into play is what exactly is going on with Alan Lazard, which is going to be a big storyline uh, over the next two or three days here, you know, he has, he hasn't practiced in more than a week. He's been in the rehab group, uh, in practice and starting, you know, we're doing this on a Tuesday. We're going to find out a lot more tomorrow on, on Wednesday when they have to actually release an injury report, they've been extremely tight lipped and quiet what Lazard has going on. Um, but Gary, if Lazard doesn't play, 
you know, guys like Dubs and Watson are going to have to play a lot more from scrimmage probably than, than we anticipated. And maybe that, that the Packers anticipated for, for rookies to come in and, and contribute right away. And, and maybe that would take them off of teams and Amari Rogers would, would handle both jobs. But those to me would be the three guys probably in, in greatest in contention, Amari Rogers and Dubs maybe on punts and, and probably between Watson, Dubs and Rogers on kicks. Uh, Chris, it, it's no secret that, that if the uh, Vikings want to beat the Packers, they got to keep Aaron Rodgers in check. Uh, you've been following the NFL for a long time. Where does Mr. Rodgers rank in your all-time quarterback listings? Wow, you really hit me on the spot there. I know, <laughs> but I figured if anybody could hit a fastball, it would be you. If I say eighth, does that mean I have to name the top seven ahead of him? No. It, you, okay. You really think eighth? Somewhere in there? Where do you think he is? Top five. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think he needs uh, another Super Bowl. To I, I agree with that, that as well. That yeah. top five. And uh, he, he's had some playoff uh, disappointments and and – and what have you. And uh, so we'll just see what happens. But statistically, I mean, he's been utterly incredible, but uh, it's hard to compare stats of today with quarterbacks to stats of yesteryear. I mean, I was going over John Unitas's stats at one point and it was like, that wasn't a very good season and, and that sort of thing. I mean, the, the numbers are, are totally different than the old days but i will say i'm gonna throw out a thumbs up for my man auto graham from northwestern i mean you oh, look i'm at shocked the, you, you look at his you stats something out for northwestern i'm look shocked at his stats and his passer rating back in those days and it's uh, incredible considering the times and considering the other quarterbacks of that era but uh you know i will say this about uh aaron Rodgers: at least the vikings have two secret weapons they've got two players from the Packers defense of recent years of course yes. Darius Smith who I touched upon earlier coming over and they got Chandon Sullivan uh, is their nickelback and he obviously uh knows Rodgers quite well from going against him regularly in practice so uh Vikings players have not been shy they say in posing questions to Smith and Sullivan as Sunday's game approaches yeah, well, you know, uh, the big question uh, surrounding Smith is his health. I mean, if he's healthy, he's probably, what, one of the top six edge rushers in the league. I mean, the guy can be a game changer. Is he, is he fully healthy? As far as we believe, I mean, he didn't play in the preseason. He looked pretty good in the joint practice sessions they had with San Francisco, but uh, – I mean, I think it made a huge dif a difference last year that he came back and got in that playoff game against San Francisco, had a sack in that game. I mean, that made him a lot of money. He signed a three-year, $42 million deal. I mean, some of it's on the back end, some of it's not guaranteed, what have you. But uh, I don't think he gets even that type of contract if he didn't return at all in the playoffs last season. I'll pose this question to both of you. Did, did uh, Smith want to come back to the Packers? Is there any animosity that he still isn't a Packer? 
Well, I asked him that very question. I mean, keep in mind, he was released. This wasn't a case of leaving yeah. as a free agent. He was released in a salary-related move. And then I asked him flat out, you know, I didn't use the word revenge game, but any extra motivation because they released you. And he pretty much said, well, yeah, they did. But, you know, he's not using that as fuel. He, he's on the other He's on the other side now, but he doesn't deny he can't wait for the game and that he's highly motivated for Sunday's game. And while he's probably not going to go put bulletin board material out there, I mean, I think it's definitely in his mind that, hey, they released me. They didn't want me. Obviously, the Packers know his strengths, but they also know his weaknesses. Can you guys see them attacking Smith in some manner? Obviously, he's an excellent pass rusher, but what about his coverage abilities? Things well, like I'm going to let Rob handle that one because he's the one that's uh, watched him over the years. I mean, I still haven't seen yeah. Smith play in even a preseason game with the Vikings yet. Yeah, what, what I'll say on that is is he certainly is and has been at times a liability in the run game. He'll take some chances. He gambles and he, he wants the sacks. He, you know, he wants to get to quarterbacks and at times that that's left him vulnerable and the team vulnerable uh, with him as a, as, as uh, against the run. He's also a guy who's kind of picked and chosen his spots of, of when to really crank it up and when to get after it. Um, he, you know, he probably takes more plays off in the course of a game than an average NFL player. I, I will say this, to follow up on, on your question to Chris, he will be remarkably motivated come Sunday. You know, you think back Gary to last year, not stripped, but he was not voted a captain last year. The previous year he had been voted a captain and he, he took that hard and he took it personally. He was, he was a captain in 20. He was not a captain in, in 21. And, and he went to social media to complain about that. Um, he, and I think at one point he even put something up, you know, about, about selling his house in green Bay on Instagram or social mm-hmm. media. So, um, you know, I know he didn't take that. Well, there were a lot of people inside that building that, 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 that kind of wondered why it took him so long to get back to the field last year. Now, when, when he did come back in that San Francisco playoff game, you remember his first snap in, in what, four months plus he, he, he had a sack of, of Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, that the guy is, That's a, right. the guy, yeah, the guy is a difference maker. He, you know, if, 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 if he hasn't lost a step, like you mentioned, Gary, if, if this injury hasn't, you know, taken a toll and slowed him down, and especially if Green Bay's line is without Bakhtiari Jenkins or either one of them, there's going to be some spots there that he's going to pick to choose and, and attack. But, um, you know, I no, I, I expect him to, to have a big game come Sunday. This, this to him is... You know, th- this to him personally is, it, again, like, like Chris said, he's not going to throw it up there on bulletin boards, but, but this is a huge game for him personally. He wants to show the organization they made a mistake. I, I mean, I'll be honest, Green, Green Bay was pinned against a wall with some of these big contracts they were dealing with in, in the offseason. They were going to have to cut him or Preston Smith or, or somebody else at the end of the day. They, they chose him because it saved them the most money and, and they had to revamp a number of contracts. But, you know, due to the Aaron Rodgers contract and, and the fact they had franchised Devontae Adams at the time, the Packers had put themselves into absolute salary cap hell. So they, they, had, they had to make a couple moves and, 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 and moving on from Zadarius made the most sense, you know, when you consider Rashawn Gary is, is on the up and up. So a, a lot a lot's going to play into this a lot of storylines you know with Zadarius going into Sunday Gary but but I expect him to have a big game uh Chris gotta ask you this if you were game planning for the Vikings 
coming from your perspective, how would you attack them? How would I attack the Vikings? Which side side of the ball? Oh, you're talking about the Green Bay offense attacking Vikings defense. Correct. I I mean, mean, I go after. What are the big holes in the Vikings defense? That uh, the cornerback situation is where I would attack. I mean, on one side, you got Patrick Peterson, who's uh, obviously not the Pro Bowl player he used to be. And interestingly, teams didn't attack him as much as uh, I thought they would last season, probably because they, you know, went at the other side where you had much more uh, inexperience. And Bashad Breeland was so horrendous last year that they pretty much attacked him. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how much Peterson is tested because uh, he's no youngster anymore. And then on the other side, Cameron Danzler moves in as the starter. He's been a part-time starter his first two years. He's been up and down. You know, he talks about how much better he is. He's gained weight, what have you. But we'll have to see it in a game. And then after that, you've got uh, Andrew Booth, who's a second-round pick. And he had an ankle injury in the preseason, so it remains to be seen how – healthy he is at the number three cornerback and you got Chris Boyd who's been up and down in in his career and you got a Caleb Evans who's a fourth round pick so yeah the the cornerback situation is uh by far the weakest aspect of Minnesota's defense uh, do you think those corners are going to be uh, worried about Mr. Rogers <laughs> well it, it also hinges on the it also hinges on the pass rush I mean yeah you've got uh, Zadarius who Rob just spoke brilliantly about and then you have Daniil Hunter coming back from an injury on the other side if those guys are healthy it's one of the NFL's best pass rushing duos and that's going to take tremendous amount of pressure off the cornerbacks but if those guys can be slowed to some extent leaving the cornerbacks vulnerable I mean Rodgers could pick them apart yeah in our uh, podcast last week Rob and I were talking about potential surprise teams and my pick in the NFC was the Vikings I I think it's going to take them some time to you know acclimate themselves to a new coach's system but Man, I'll tell you what, that, that offense has a ton of talent, and, and he's an offensive-based coach, right? So I, I think he's playing with a lot of, lot of toys there. So, Yeah, they've got uh, great offensive pieces all over the place, and the offensive line has been improved. Left tackle Christian Derrissaw is showing uh, great strides, and Trent Williams was raving about him when they came in for the joint practices. The weak spot on the line is Garrett Bradbury, the center. He's been uh, struggling in pass protection. And then they've got a rookie at right guard and Ed Ingram. He had his moments, but he, uh, he's still a rookie starting his first NFL game. So uh, that's where they're most potentially vulnerable is in the interior. Yeah, yeah you had mentioned Bradbury. And, and obviously, I think one of the Packers' best players on defense, if not the best, is Kenny Clark. Uh, it, it could be a long day for Kirk Cousins if, if they don't get a handle on Clark. Yeah, yeah, 2019, if you recall, Monday Night Football, Garrett Bradbury had pretty much the worst game of his career. I mean, he was just completely overwhelmed by the Packers. So uh, that, would be, that would be the Vikings' worst nightmare on offense is if uh, Bradbury's looking like he did in that 2019 Monday, Monday Night game at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. 
Yeah. Um, how, how do you see the Vikings? I, I think they're going to be a playoff team. I, I think they're going to be a dangerous team, especially as the season goes on. But could you see them doing it? Do, first of all, do you think they'll get to the playoffs? Yeah, I think so, because the NFC is not super top heavy like the AFC is. I mean, just look at the last couple of years. I mean, two years ago, Chicago gets in the playoffs, a mediocre Chicago team last year, a mediocre Philadelphia team. And the Vikings basically were, were as with with the losing record, they were pretty much one game out of the playoffs two years ago to Chicago, one game out from Philadelphia and they lost tons of close games last year. You just turn around the result of one or two of those, and the Vikings would have been in the playoffs last year. And uh, who knows? Maybe Zimmer would still be the coach. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Uh, I want to ask both of you that, both of you this question. What would be a good record for the Vikings? I mean, do you have an idea, like, how you would project them? Are they a 10-team win, 12-team win? How do you see that? Well, I think if they go 11 and 6, they take that in a heartbeat. And I think they'd even maybe take 10 and 7. I think 10 and 7 possibly could get into the playoffs in the NFC. Yeah. Rob, what do you think? I think they're a playoff team as well. I mean, Chris is right. And the NFC is certainly not as strong as the AFC. Can they catch Green Bay in the division? I, I doubt that. Green Bay won it by five last year, they won it by five in 2020. They won it by three in 2019. That gap might be a little too, too big to close, but I, I certainly see him as a wildcard team in that, in that 10 win range. You've got four games built in against the bears and the lions where you should go at least three and one. And, and I, I haven't examined their schedule closely, but, but there, there is a ton of talent on the, on that roster. And, and like I said, the, the NFC is, is not great. I, I think the NFC North this year does what they, they go play the, the NFC East and the AFC East. And again, you know, and then you're looking at games against, the Giants and, and and the Redskins and the Jets and and the Dolphins, right? Teams that have not been dominant by any stretch of the imagination the last you know several years. So no, Minnesota seems to me like a like a team that, that could potentially make a move here. Again, it, it 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 might it might be too much for them to get, catch Green Bay, but you know that I I don't I don't see the division being decided in early December this year like it's been the last couple of years. I I, I think this plays in you know at, to, until at least Christmas, maybe New Year's before we know who's going to win the North and and I do think it's going to come down to Green Bay and Minnesota and they'll probably be separated at the end of it by a game maybe two. Yeah, uh, the Packers have won thirteen games the last three years under uh, Matt Lafleur. From my perspective, I think they're not going to get to the 13-win mark this year. I see them as an 11 or 12-team win. What about you, Rob? Where, where do you kind of project them at this point? Yep, I'm right in that same spot, Gary. 11 and 6, 12 and 5. You you can't take the second-best player off your roster and and expect to, you know, probably match what you did last year or even better. at the, I mean, they will be better on defense. They were ninth last year in total defense. It, it should be a top five, but – there are so many questions in that pass game right now. I mean, Chris, Chris pointed out the weaknesses in the, in the Vikings secondary and, and where Rogers can attack. But you know, the question at the end of the day with this becomes who are they attacking with? Right. I mean, exactly. If, if exactly. They've told you all summer that Alan Lazard is the number one. I mean, Gary, that's like me handing you a glass of, of chocolate milk and telling you it's white milk or something like that. I can, I can tell you whatever I want to tell you. And that doesn't mean it's, it's accurate. Right. And and they can sure. tell you that Alan Lazard's a one. He's not Gary. He's not a one. And, and he may not even suit up, 
you know, come Sunday again, we'll find out more on that, right? You've got, you've got two guys there in Watkins and Cobb that are coming off the worst statistical years of, of their career, you know, both on the wrong side of 30 and trending the wrong way. And, and they'll, and they'll start the opener here. And, you know, you've, you've got an unproven guy in Amari Rogers who had four catches last year and people love to fill copy and space in the off season, Gary, and, and tell you how much better shape people are in. And, and this guy took his body fat from 10% to five and this guy lost 12 pounds or whatever. But I mean, until we see it, on the field with Amari Rogers, uh, I, I'm still a cynic and I'm skeptical that, that, that he's going to be worth the third round pick they spent on him. And, and then you've got three rookies, right. In in Watson dubs and Toure and, and, and how that plays out. We'll see, you know, dub certainly had, had the best summer uh, when he was holding on to the football, at least he, he showed explosiveness. There, there's a reason they traded up and, and took Watson in in round two. And, and we'll see how that plays out. And, and Toure certainly had his moments too in the, in the summer, but at the end of the day there, Gary, everybody we mentioned, there's a ton of questions, even a tight end with, with Tunyon trying to come back from that ACL. So, uh, you know, can Rogers throw for 4,000, 4,500 yards again with this group? Can he throw for 40 touchdowns again with this group? I doubt it. I mean, but, but if he does, Gary, he's probably looking at a third straight MVP. Chris, what's your take on the pack? On the Packers? As I recall, you picked him as a Super Bowl winner last year, right? Preseason? Yeah, I, I always pick <laughs> Packers Chiefs because so I want to I see that rematch of Super Bowl one, and I'm, and I'm always wrong. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it goes back to uh, I think the special teams are going to be improved, and I think Rob spoke well of that. And the defense, the continuity, I mean, I go back to that brilliant stat about the six first-round picks on on defense, which uh, shows the continuity. I mean, the offense, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, obviously, there's questions about his receiving core and that sort of thing. But I agree with Rob wholeheartedly on the division race. I don't think the Vikings, with the first-year coach and – having been overwhelmed pretty much in the division race by the Packers in recent years. I don't think they're quite ready to win the division, but uh, as I stated earlier, they're definitely a playoff type team. And uh, yeah, the schedules for both teams much easier this year. I mean, last year, the NFC North had to go against the uh, AFC North and the NFC West, arguably yeah. the two top divisions in football. I mean, and then this year it's the NFC, it's the two Easts, AFC and NFC. And from the Vikings standpoint, they have nine home games and only seven true road games because one of their road games, the one against the Saints, was moved to London. So uh, the schedules are easier for both teams. So uh, it's going to be interesting. So where do you see the Packers uh, going in the playoffs? Do you, do you see them going deep, or do you think it's going to be an early exit? I think they certainly have the potential, no doubt, to go deep, and they certainly have the potential to be a, a Super Bowl team. I mean, the Rams won it last year, but you know, as well as I do, the Super Bowl blues of some teams trying to repeat and, and that sort of thing. So we'll see hey, if hey, – uh, Chris. Yep. Last week I, we were talking about the Rams, and I told Rob about Tutu Atwell. Look out, he's healthy. Oh, you always have to look out for him, always. But uh, somehow they won the Super Bowl despite him being injured. But uh, anyhow, you know, you always have to wonder about teams coming off a Super Bowl. I mean, they've been enjoying the good life there in L.A. 
all year. So we'll see uh, how they respond to everybody gunning for them this year. But other than that, I mean, there, there's one of these days, Brady, maybe at least by the time he's 50, he's got to fall off. So we'll see if that's the year in Tampa Bay where, where that happens. And, you know, the Cowboys are the Cowboys. They always seem to underachieve in recent years. So really, I don't think there's a, a surefire NFC North contender and Green Bay's got a shot of being right, right up there. Uh, also last week, uh, Rob and I talked about the Super Bowl winners. And Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but you picked San Francisco, right? I like San Francisco a lot. You know, you, you think about it last year, they're in the NFC title game and up 10 going to the fourth quarter with a journeyman quarterback. And they don't need Trey Lance to come in and win an MVP or anything like that. They, they just need him to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and he should be. And the rest of that roster is loaded. I know that division is brutal um, other than Seattle and a tough, you know, tough couple games with the Rams and the Cardinals and stuff like that. But no, I, I, li- I like San Francisco uh, to beat Buffalo, Gary. And Chris, looking into your crystal ball, who do you see in the Super Bowl and who do you see winning? Well, I always pick a rematch of Super Bowl one and I'll do that again. <laughs> and it's going to be the Chiefs this time beating the Packers, getting revenge for Super Bowl one, and they're going to be doing it for Len Dawson. This is scary, but I actually picked the Chiefs as well. Uh, I have less faith in the Packers right now, but that could change. You've seen a number of teams pick up a quality wide receiver late in the season, and I fully expect that to happen in Green Bay. If they don't pick up one, I don't think they're going to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, the Chiefs, I mean, they only have one Super Bowl, but uh, they've established just a rock of a foundation. I mean, you look at those, even, you know, back at those great 49er teams, I'm certainly not comparing the Chiefs to those teams, but, you know, they might have had a lull or whatever, but they were always in the mix and always potentially could jump up and win a Super Bowl, which they did on a number of occasions. And I think the Chiefs can be that type of team, you know, a team that – has a 10-year, 15-year stretch where they could even be a threat to win the Super Bowl every year during that period. All right. Both of you are veteran NFL reporters. Uh, do you have any pregame jitters yet? <laughs> no jitters, <laughs> just excitement. You, you know, on our part, Gary, we, we, we've spent too much of our time this summer watching Brewer baseball. So it's, I, I, think, it, I, I, think, <laughs> I think I think it's high time for the fan base around here to, to start enjoying some football and shovel a little more dirt on that baseball team that plays at American family. How about you, Chris? Well, basically, you know, I'm just disappointed that the uh, Vikings game at green Bay isn't around Christmas time. Like it used to often be. So I could partake in the famous Wolfel family Christmas party, <laughs> but it is on January 1st. So I may have to partake in the Wolfel family New Year's Eve festivities. Well, you, you, you know, you are part of our family, you know, so um, your attendance at these events is, is very, very much wel- welcome. So anyways. <laughs> All right. We will plan accordingly. Absolutely. All right, gentlemen, anything you uh, want to add before we uh, call it a wrap today? I don't know. That's much. it for me. I, I, I'm leave, when, when you mentioned the Wolfel family, there's really nothing more that could be said. 
<laughs> like George, like George Costanza. George Costanza. Let let let's exit on a high, right? Yep. With the Wolfel family. Uh, there you go. Well, gentlemen, it was an absolute delight, and uh, I want to thank the both of you for your stellar contributions. Two of the best in the business, and uh, I really appreciate appreciated you uh, taking the time out to do this podcast. And as usual, I also want to thank our listeners. Take care and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Wuffle and Wuffle'sPressBox.com.